0: bread Unbreakable union of free-born republics, <laughs> Great Russia's wielded forever to stand. <laughs> Created <laughs> and struggled by will of the people, united and mighty, our Soviet land. This episode starts with the Soviet national anthem. Dan, we got them. We got the Russians. <laughs> we got them. The Russians are coming. Uh, hi, I'm Jason Snell. This is for all mankind on TV, and he's uh he's comrade uh, comrade cosmonaut Dan Moran. hello, oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah.
1: it's, at one point ellen gamely has learned one phrase
0: in russian and quickly and she's like and, i can't that's it that, i got yeah, that, and that like, was all
1: like the uh time in in seventh grade where after a year of french i decided well in montreal to try and buy batteries by myself in french i quickly realized i was out of my desk yes, you, you, you
0: know you, you just had to quickly ask where the library was and then leave yes mm-hmm. Yep yeah we get uh we we, we the, got, russians have arrived. the russians oh, have God. arrived because of the apollo soyuz uh, mission or should i call it soyuz apollo for convenience mm. <laughs> as wow. i said there is I, I there's can, so much oh, there's so much can, there's can, so much. can there's i so much um uh, so i was i was a little bit lukewarm on last week's episode good character mm-hmm. stuff plot plot uh uh, was okay, like, but you know, it was a little slow and all that. I take it all back for this episode. This is my favorite episode, maybe of the whole series. Certainly yeah. of this season. This I, season for sure. I yeah. loved every minute of it. I loved finally, after all of my lobbying for this. I loved finally seeing more of the cosmonauts and the Soviet Union. Um, the uh, I, just so much of it, so such a light oh, touch so too. Good. The yeah. the um Margot's giving the presentation, and it's like you know. Uh, cosmon era. astronaut one will come out, and then astronaut two will remain behind, and then astronaut three and astronaut four. And they're like, mm-mm, no, no. Mm-mm. no, 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 no. I prefer confer- that they be referred to as cosmonaut. One and two. <laughs> like, and she's like, I'll of, make a notice. Yes. Of course no. they're cosmonaut
1: one and two. Uh, I love the bit where, you know, uh. they're like, All right, so you're gonna have to basically tell us what your radio frequencies are and they're like, Nope, you first. You first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nope. I enjoy the fencing so much of them trying to suss out like they, they're trying to figure out how do they dock these ships and the Russians are like, Well, we don't want to tell you how we our docking system works <laughs> and they're like, Well, you're gonna have to tell us because we need to dock the ships. Well, I guess we've got a problem. You know? <laughs> um, oh. Everything in here is great. Uh, I think a special call on my part, I knew this was going to be the case, but like there's a scene where Danielle and her uh, co-pilot uh, on the meeting are, you know, they're, they're meeting with their Russian opposites. And uh, I noticed in this scene, Danielle, I feel like she plays up her twang a bit when she's having this conversation with them, which I thought was interesting, and of course they're like having this very awkward moment where they, you know, well, hey, why I why did you decide to become a cosmonaut? And the guy's like, I was I was pilot in Russian Air Force. My supervisor signed me up for a cast. Yeah, superior
0: said you will be cosmonaut.
1: So, yeah great story <laughs> that's the end uh and then they bring in the food and they've gotten their borscht oh, and stuff from the russian and like, like i saw this happening hamburgers like, they want hamburgers don't they they totally want hamburgers yes we like hamburgers. Oh, it's so good so they so take
0: them to the bar so they take them to the bar um and there's so many good scenes with with uh with them um yeah they're guys are great you get the um to fallen comrades Mm-hmm. And then and they talk about you know their comrades and they, they list off the Apollo One and then also the people who died last season uh in fictional things right. that happened. Right. Um and a then they, there's, Soyuz there's a little tense the Soyuz Yeah, right. there's a little tense moment of like, well, you know, uh, if you had done what we do, they wouldn't have died and, and uh and she fires back with, you know, if you did what you know, what we do, your guys wouldn't have died. So there and they're like, Okay. Um, Fair enough yes. So what, once again for the second straight episode we get one of those uh, Well shit happens What's the next yep. toast? It's to the women yeah. Alright <laughs> for the All ladies the women. For yes, the ladies, ladies. <laughs> I could
1: drink to I, that uh, and Meanwhile the KGB minder is sitting oh. at the bar uh, keeping, oh. keeping their eyes Closely glued to what the cosmonauts are up to Which oh. uh, I enjoy um, they don't, they don't want vodka. They want Jack Daniels. You know, yes. <laughs> Karen's like, yeah, I think we can find some Jack Daniels, probably. Um, and then we get the story about Leica. Oh about my god, Leica's the space dog.
0: Oh, it, it's it's oh, which is there's so much in there too, right? Oh, because god. that is, um, that is a puncturing of a of a of a legend, right? Which is this cosmonaut or the friendly one of the two. Yeah. says you know i held Leica in my arms this is the the dog that was sent into space and, and died in space didn't come back and and you know she's like oh well there this is a good story though like it was up there for days got to look out the window whatever and he's like no that's all a lie uh we didn't have the shielding right and so it just got too hot in there and she died um and it was a terrible death it's like okay well uh, and then and so danielle's trying to be like I want to, you know, give like a credit. He's like, no, you know, we just put her in there and she died. She says, no, let's give her, let's give her some credit. Let's give her some agency. She went there, not for everybody, but for the people she loved, including you who held her before she was loaded on the vehicle that, you know, she, she did all this when the other dogs didn't because she, you know, she cared about the people like, and it's like, it's an interesting argument uh about a tragic situation which is that this dog Mm -hmm. got loaded in the spaceship and died and you know they're astronauts and cosmonauts this is part of it is like why do you do it uh do you have any agency um you know the strong implication based on that earlier conversation that's fascinating is like danielle is an astronaut because she wants to be these guys are astronauts because they were told to be are cosmonauts, yeah, right? They were
1: picked, right? Like, they were picked by the,
0: you know, by the, the military, yeah, presumably, the, and told, the, essentially, exactly. you're the people, you're the, you're the guy. Exactly, you know? and even and, if they go along with it and could have washed out or whatever, if they didn't, they, they did go along with it, like Laika. Uh, and and so, in some ways, Danielle's trying to say, you know, you can't just say <laughs> that Laika had nothing except just got loaded in there. Like, you're not, you, you have some responsibility and agency here for what you've done as well it's a fascinating scene that's also super sad because it is yeah. about the poor poor little dog laika and they drink to laika at the end it's beautiful i put three uh blue heart emojis at the end of my notes for this <laughs> scene because i loved it so much
1: that's a good it's a good bit and it's also i like that he tells her like you know uh you know no she's like nobody knows this right and he's like well now you do you know like it's it's the the walls come down a little yeah. bit right it's the i love that it's you know, a little bit like Ed's interaction last season with the the cosmonaut. You know, it's putting things on a personal level rather than right. just these giant warring superpowers. But down on the personal level, the astronauts, the cosmonauts, the you know, they have more in common exactly than they do different exactly. And it's and I love that. Scale. That's that is that is all generally one of my favorite. I'm going to call it a trope. It's one of my favorite oh, yeah. tropes. of Cold uh, Not so different, you and I. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but cold war fiction, especially—that's the thing I love about the cold war fiction—is yeah. the you have the massive like institutions that are at each other's throats, but the people who are on the ground, who are you know in the field, whether they're astronauts or spies or whatever, like they're both they're doing jobs that are very similar. Yeah, they're to playing one the another. same game. They're playing the yeah. same
0: game. They're the, they're the and I and I that enjoy that common. immensely. Yeah. Yeah, no those those scenes are great. Um uh, I I loved it all. I like the the wanting the hamburgers They're like we got borscht from the only Ru- Russian yeah. <laughs> restaurant in Houston like come on. Um that was that was pretty good. Don't feed them Russian on, food. That's On terrible. the um on the more kind of like agency side, the challenge mm-hmm. here is neither side wants to have the be the passive docking right. system. So, yep. like, like Apollo will be active. No, Soyuz will be active. Um, by the way, in that scene, um, at some point, uh, NASA Administrator Payne takes out a cell phone, which I thought was <laughs> a really nice little bit of. Again, it's not an anachronism because this is an alt history. It's another place where I he's think... got the electric car. He also has a cell phone now. It's the kind with the little telescoping antenna that comes out of it. But it's 1983. I felt like we did see Tracy had one, maybe in an earlier maybe episode so, too, But I just I just a, noticed, uh, yeah, it and it was one yeah. of those moments of like, right, just a reminder. That yeah, it's we're not, a little ahead of things. It's not quite the same. Um, so uh, Payne and Margot have a conversation where she's like, "Why are we doing this?" Uh, And he reveals to her, basically, that he wants to do it. He could probably get Reagan to... Uh, drop it, or convince Reagan that it's okay for them to drop it. But he wants it. He wants the handshake. He wants a moment for history. It's his city, the on a hill. city on the hill, which is a, which is a a concept that Reagan used in his speeches and even his inaugural address. So the yep. idea that you know we want people to look up to the U.S. and this is this this is this moment where we set aside our differences in order to shake hands in orbit with our enemy. This is for history. I want to do it. So this is the flip side of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Tom thomas paine who's a real guy which is where he was saying you know i'm a political animal but i also am a true believer in space even though we're going to throw away the mars planning for a while because we have to do this other thing don't don't forget that i am a true believer and i care about this stuff and you see it here where margot is very pragmatic about like why are we doing this and he's like i'm i want to do this because this matters yeah yeah make Uh, it work however they still have to deal with the technical side, which leads to another fantastic oh. set of scenes that parallel the cosmonaut scenes where Margot so talks these to are her my Soviet favorite. counterpart and there's, he's listening to classical music as he works, uh, filing paperwork, and she's like, ah, well, you know bureaucrats want paperwork we have to deal with that here too um and but he can't turn the channel because it's not wise to listen to non-politically his, his, approved music his, his minder is work. outside at the door yes, outside and listening in at the door so and they so, end up with very much like what they described uh karen doing last episode yes. uh, yep uh there's the uh, no i must not do anything you are wasting my time american woman please leave here and then and then she's like okay here's a secret note Go. I'll, I'll see you at Eleven fifty nine 59 at 11 goodbye and i love that his eyes keep flicking to the door, door. Right?
1: he's telling her he's like he's like yeah this guy is outside yeah like, i, the I need to put on this is a show i am performing again this is like i i enjoy that immensely because you could tell like they again they have so much in common right the reports the bureaucracy the fact that neither one of their agencies wants to give right uh you know they are they are in the same boat or space capsule, I guess. Um, and, I, and I love that, too, because, again, it sort of goes back to our Cold War dynamic here, which is these people, presumably, you know, he, that guy is in that position because he, he cares about space to some degree, at least. And, you know, we, we get to see the fact that that he and Margot have something in common, which leads us to the the scene at the club, which uh, I had forgotten about from season one, which is that, that Margot is a piano player. Yeah, uh, this, and, is like, this is her secret.
0: This is her Ron Swanson um, secret jazz mm-hmm, identity mm-hmm. that she has. <laughs> um, where, where? Uh, oh, what was Ron Swanson's Duke something or other? Duke, yeah, uh, yeah, Duke Silver. Duke, Duke Silver, Silver, yes. Well, this is yeah. her her secret jazz identity. But she's she's invited him to the eleven fifty nine club, which is. Uh, Watchmen fans will already have twigged is the the doomsday clock. It's one minute to Mm -hmm. midnight, and the whole idea of the Soviet Union and and the U.S. being able to destroy one another many times over, which they talk about about how you know we used to do civil defense drills, uh, and then they stopped, and now they're back, and or they they had different one right like oh you
1: put all the desks against the window, but you're supposed to hide under the desks, and I'm (laughs) sitting there going like
0: didn't matter either way, it's not gonna (laughs) matter. It's rearranging the deck deck chairs on the Titanic. But she says you know this is. He says, "Is this a secret place?" And she says, "Yes, this is my secret place." And uh, and they have a, a really good conversation about like that they are that they are people, and they uh, they want to do this thing. And they, again, they have this more in common than not, which leads to uh, I guess we got to loop back. There is a scene where Aleda has opinions about the docking problem, and her, mm-hmm. her manager, who she you know didn't volunteer any information to when they met. Uh, the previous week uh, is like stay in your lane. Just you're over there. You're observing yeah. this. You're not over here with this. You're, you're in systems. You're not designing.
1: You're an, you're an engineer. Yeah. You're not a designer. Exactly.
0: Um, but she's, uh, she's basically like asleep at the office. Um, and, and uh, Margot and her Soviet counterpart, uh, she's not even asleep though she's working right oh, she like, working? she's lying
1: she's lying in the docking thing I thought she was trying doze, to dozing figure in out. there but maybe not yeah. I yeah. think the implication is she's she's trying to figure it out right because they've told them like we need to redesign right. this entire system
0: basically. So she's ignoring her manager which yes, is typical you know. for her and she's working the yep. problem and they come in and they they put down the thing that the, they've designed uh, that's identical it's the pedals they cut up the coasters at the at the club and and it's identical on both sides so everybody can just say this is all equitable and um and she says, but basically, well, that's that's beautiful. It's not going to work. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And they well, look at each other you, like you
1: need you need a you
0: need a shock absorber. Otherwise, you're going to kill all your yeah. astronauts when they hit each other. Yeah. And so they're like, I guess we're doing this tonight. And <laughs> off <laughs> they go. And the next that's day, a, Margot so Roy, rolls it out. And the Soviet guy's like, This is a good idea. Let us do it. Like he's never heard of it before. Yeah. And and plays and, the part to a T. And then and he throws the moment, out their radio frequencies, radio codes.
1: I love that so much. So it's, like, it's we're need the, the radio codes, the quid pro. And he just Whoa, goes here. and you see everybody in the background, all the other Russian beer and like, They're like, look at each other, like, wait, what did he just do? But before anybody gets a chance, and even on the American side too, right? She throws back the codes, the U.S. codes, basically yeah, immediately. It's just the radio like frequencies that, for the radios, but right. yeah, it's the trust, though, right? Yep. Like that's what it is. It's like somebody's got to go first. Yep, and. You know they, there's a little nod he gives her after she gives him the frequencies like you know we 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 did this, but also I think it's like the I knew I could trust you sort of thing. Um, it's just a lovely it's a lovely scene and it, it's in contrast to so many other relationships in this episode. I was thinking in particular about that scene at the beginning where all the the Russians get off the plane and they're shaking hands with everybody. And there's the general, right? The general says literally nothing to any of them. <laughs> Everybody else says like "hello" or "welcome." The general's just like clearly standing there, like I cannot believe I'm shaking hands with the Russians right now. And you know, it's it's sort of that same thing again: the establishment versus the people within the institutions. And watching Margot and I think his name is Sergey um, interact and come to a understanding. Uh, that moment where they bring in all the cocktail napkins and they've drawn out everything and they like clearly he's he's given up the specs, right? Like he's
0: explained how like yeah. docking stuff could work and it's just, it's well, wonderful. They're it's not wonderful allowed to band. collaborate, but they collaborate and then she has to take the exactly. credit for it because they're not allowed to collaborate, but they right. collaborate and they get what what they want to do. Which, you know, Margo wasn't even that into it, but, like, this is their job, is to do this, and and they're working with these colleagues who they've been completely separated from. And I gotta say, it's so delightful that I kept thinking throughout the episode, because the other plot here is that they're gonna be, like, uh, test-firing rifles on the moon, we get that, too, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh... Like they're going to they're humanizing and making connections between the people at NASA and the people of the Soviet space program just in time for it to all be torn apart by conflict on the moon. Right. Like it's all it's all being set up that way. It's a tension. Yeah.
1: The tension of we are we are kind of doing this behind their backs. Right. We are we are militarizing
0: as we are extending our hands in friendship. <laughs> which, which is Which leads damning. to the last scene where on a cold dark tarmac at Star mm-hmm. City, the Americans get off the plane in parallel of what happened at the beginning of this episode, and there is no Star Spangled Banner. There is no brass band. Instead, they are frisked, frisked by yeah. Soviet secret police.
1: Including the including the cosmonauts, right? Like yeah. who are, I assume making sure they didn't bring back any contraband. Cont- yeah. Sure. Um yeah, I, I thought that was a great... I mean, I Blue was a little disappointed. All of, I was mm-hmm. disappointed Oliver Queen didn't show up in Star City. That's my disappointment. Yes, own that's right. Um, you have failed but, this yeah, spaceport. You failed this Cosmodrome. Um, yeah, I thought that it's a great it's a great creepy moment uh-huh. <laughs> as they get patted down and basically like
0: hauled don't, off. Don't like, forget that you might like these people, but um, you do not... The regime. Yeah, the regime is a different story. Yeah,
1: we should talk about the the rifle firing though, because I think that's that's a good scene too, right? Where Tracy has essentially been uh, delegated to fly the Marine detachment around and prep for essentially what would be like like a helicopter insertion on earth yes right she's got her little you know her hopper and the marines are outside standing on it because of course there isn't room yeah inside that, that's for all a of great them.
0: that's a great reveal right where they're like she's trying to let the guy pilot the hopper and he kind of screws it up and she takes back control and all of that and then we get the shot outside where there are all of the the again spacesuit clad but these are the marines um and they're ready to ready to drop down and this is a this is a military attack force that's testing right it's training here. yeah and they're talking about like how close can we get to yep.
1: the you know to the ground and she's like i could get you within you know five meters or something uh and they're like really you like <laughs> she's like well i've been doing this for a while right uh, you shouldn't you shouldn't try it uh and that's where it all goes wrong but also the scene where they've got the, the rifles out and they're like gonna the first person to fire a rifle on the moon and of course totally misses oh. the target because there's oh, so man. much recoil and the gravity's all different and then she, she's like well for all we know it's going all the way around yep. and you probably don't want to stand
0: there that's a good good nerd humor right i mean because it's not yep. true but yep. like it's it's enough of a thing for you to make that joke and to give a hard time to the guy who missed the target and the backstop um because mm-hmm. that's that's pretty funny but yeah like this is this is is dead serious stuff they're um they're they're planning for an attack that may they may or may not need, but they feel like they need the guns and they need to really counter kind of the Russians moving their stuff. That's what, remember, this and is it, all about. Uh, Don't move my and stuff. It's an interesting, right? And it's an interesting
1: point, too, right? Because it points out that the, the weapons are not necessarily reliable, right? They've had to alter these guns to work on the moon. So there's no guarantee that somebody takes a shot... It's going to get anywhere near its target. What might it hit? Who might it right. hit? And what happens when it doesn't hit the thing? And you're trying to, you know, now you've created like a like a melee essentially. Like yeah. it's it's more challenging than they thought, which is not surprising. No, because they didn't really think it through. They thought let's paint a bunch of M16s white. Yeah, which is another bit I like. Why is why aren't they black? It's because melt your gloves off. Yeah. Um,
0: and that's it. That's all we've given the thought to, basically. Yeah. So that that you know clearly this is the plot that keeps ratcheting up as we go this is the this is our season long thing that is just hanging out there that is clearly going to uh confront us as we get toward the end of the season for sure um here yeah. we are just basically at the at or past the halfway point just starting the second half of the season
1: right right this is the, this is, feels like sort of a um inflection point for this it does. right it does. Uh, where we and i i can only assume that next week we'll you know we'll see a little bit more of our astronauts in in the ussr uh in dealing with potentially what it's like
0: there and maybe we get a peek maybe. behind
1: the iron curtain
0: oh boy that would be great you don't know how lucky you are boy <laughs> back in the USSR. Back in ussr uh we get here's a funny thing we get a the scene that is essentially the scene at the post credit sequence of the last episode right. of season one. Yes. The sea dragon. Ed and Karen watching the sea dragon launch is straight up what they showed at the end of season one. And here it is again. And there's this conversation about like, well, they're sending nuclear material up to the reactor that's up on the moon. And they're like, you know, that's why we do it out in the ocean is so that, you know, to, so if it explodes, it's not going to litter nuclear, uh, stuff all over everything which is it's a real thing like anytime there's nuclear materials in a in a spacecraft launch it's a it's like a a controversial thing because if it exploded the plutonium or whatever would be the atmospheric fallout is bad it's bad right so yeah, it's bad. Bad. um but in this case it, it does fine and again it's what we saw at the end of season one meanwhile kelly is working on her college applications uh i i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago here it is it's an apple II. Mm-hmm. There's a yep, we, we the get a rainbow placement. Apple logo sighting, so your, our product placement of Apple products on this show finally uh, pays off with the Apple II. She's writing in forty column mode, which any Apple II nerd knows is what you really want is an eighty column card because forty columns wide is not like that's you, you don't want to print that because it's just too big and all that. But you know she what I don't know. She's, They couldn't afford the 80-column card. It's it's not a 2E. It's a 2+, plus, maybe. But it's got the upper and lower case, which is nice. Anyway, I could talk a lot about the Apple II technology on display here. But she's writing an essay and uh, asked the question, why did you adopt me? Which leads to a very interesting conversation that um, makes it clear that after Shane died and between these two seasons, uh, Ed and Karen separated for a little while. He stayed at the Mm. Shamrock, which is a hotel Hotel. a little bit uh, down the road. And, uh, it's, you know, you're talking to a... Uh, an adopted child about why you adopted them and it's little dicey is like are we gonna say the wrong thing are we gonna sit and sound like awful people and she's like so was i a band-aid and and, yeah, right. and, and they're like no, she looks yeah she it's, says' you it's are a tough transplant I, I and i was gonna say no you you were the you healed you healed them from the wound of shane dying like that's not a bad thing and that they because right. she's older they like saw her being kind to another kid at the yeah. adoption center and that's what they made them realize that that was right. who they yeah. wanted like it's a it's and we should a, point out that the Operation Baby Lift, which is mentioned here, is a real thing
1: um, where they transplanted a bunch of the displaced Vietnamese children yep. uh, outside the war. So this was, you know, and presumably, you know, the, the story is like, you know, Ed sees the commercial on TV or something and calls Karen and like is t- they're watching it at the yeah. same time and they decide that they're going to go down there and, and adopt a child.
0: Yeah. It's uh, again, I think this season has done a really great job of the uh, Baldwin family. Mm-hmm. And all of I the aspects as well. and getting us to know, we, we we get to know Kelly, but also uh, understand sort of what's been going on with Ed and Karen's relationship in the intervening time post the death of their son in season yeah. one. Well, and she's struggling writing
1: this essay because the essay is sort of about identity and like, you know, exactly. she talks about the adoption and yeah but she's still i think you know trying to figure out i got I remember writing the college essays. oh boy i also cannot like ed i cannot remember what i wrote my essay about i, I found uh, my
0: i found my college essay when i when oh, i know I, speak, I have it speaking of apple twos when i when i exhumed my old discs from my apple two uh last year as part of a project and uh i i read that essay and i was like okay i'm never gonna judge my kids uh essays <laughs> ever again because that was written by somebody who turned into a professional writer and it's terrible <laughs> <laughs>
1: Terrible! Oh, I, I, I know for sure it's on my my storage NAS storage
0: somewhere, but I would have oh, to dig it up, not, and I just
1: I it scares me a little bit. It's not it good. Scares
0: me. Uh, by the way, we had another great scene with Ed. They're doing uh, simulator runs, um, at, which is like with 80s kind of graphics, which is is good. Mm-hmm. In the in the it reminded uh, me
1: of uh, playing MS Flight Simulator, sure. which I did in those in the 80s and 90s. So in the
0: Pathfinder Simulator, and there's a really nice moment that I think. Uh, we're we're getting some time with uh the crew of Pathfinder which I think will probably be important you know Sally Ride and we got our red-headed uh Piscati Piscati the uh the guy from the vending machine um <laughs> and uh this is really good cuz like they they do what they do in these sim runs which is they cause there to be problems and see how the astronauts react and it's a really interesting thing where they're going they have like computer failures and they shut down a couple of computers and they're in the clouds and they don't know they're trying to land back at at uh, kennedy space center and Piscati um is like okay well we shut those down now everything's fine and it's like are th- is you know is it now are they now are we doing okay or not what do you think and he asked them the question of like uh you know are we good and he's like yeah we're good and then ed basically goes net nah, and uh swerves the space shuttle over to the right and then they come back out through the clouds and they are straight on the line to land back at kennedy instead of being two miles you know off and right. they talk through it and it's like okay you shut down those computers that gives us the data but what was it it was like oh it's from number two that was the one that was giving us bad data And he's like yeah and it's just a moment of like Really, this scene, not only is it, is it cool, it's like cool like every space movie has a cool simulator scene, but also this is the Ed still got it scene. Like, he's right. don't forget, we've seen all this drama with Ed, Ed yeah. with his family drama, Ed with his running the astronaut office. It's been a long time since he, he had a mission. This is, is them saying, oh, this guy's really good. He's like really good at his job. He's he's
1: he's an admiral for a
0: reason. Right. Yeah. And this is and remember, not a space shuttle pilot. I thought this was gonna be one of those episodes where where like last week with Tracy, it was gonna be like, Oh, I got this, and it's like, Oh no, I don't. I've been out too long and I've lost it. And it's like, no, no, this episode is demonstrating Ed's incredible competence yeah to us yeah i liked i like that
1: a lot um i enjoy you know sally ride sitting there in the back and like, sort of sniffing <laughs> comments um just the just the passenger right backseat driver i yep. guess uh i enjoy that piscati is still wearing his navy hat um i'm putting <laughs> money down on uh on ed coming around and buying him an air force hat by the end of the season oh, nice. like you've, you've earned it yep uh something like that but uh, I, yeah, I like this scene too. It does. It, it's starting to give us a taste of, I think, where where Ed is going and the Pathfinder test and all that, which I'm sure will be a big thing at the somewhere in the back of the season. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree. He's still got it, uh, and even though he lost his dogfight with Gordo last week and had to eject or two weeks ago, um, you know he he's still he still
0: knows what he's doing. He's still top dog. Um, one scene left. Mm. It's Ellen and Pam again, and this brings to uh. Well, it's really Ellen, Ellen and Pam, and I guess uh. Larry, there's a couple, there's a couple scenes left. I'll take it back. There's more than one scene left. There's a hand,
1: one thread a, left. One a handful, plot thread, a handful. Yeah.
0: We've got to go, we've got to go to Gordo again too. But let's go Ellen and Pam. Ellen and Pam. Uh, it's like together again, but what is this? And Pam's like, "This is an affair," is what it is. And she's like, "No, I want, I want you." And she's like, we can't do this. We already had this conversation, didn't you? Watch last season of For All Mankind. You are a closeted uh, astronaut, and so you you can't uh, be with me. And I'm not willing to be with you and have it be pretending that we're not together. And Ellen says, I don't care anymore. I love you. I I, I want to be with you. It doesn't matter what else happens. Which seems, I mean, I I read that in the moment as like, well, that's that is a big step that we're just sort of getting in this one scene but the beauty right. of it is we then get the scene with larry where uh i which i love because first off it shows the genuine affection that larry and Ellen have for each other they are mm-hmm. friends and cohabitants and they have a a kind of love for one another even right. though their marriage is a sham right. marriage in the yep. sense that they're both gay it is also a real relationship which i think is that's a complexity that's often lost on people. But you do read these stories all the time about people who had these kinds of marriages that were not what we think of, not a romantic marriage, but they did build a life together and they own a home. And there, you know, there are lots of aspects of that relationship that are perfectly legitimate. It's just not based on the same thing. The romantic attraction part of it but their lives are intertwined and have been so for a decade um and so he's upset and he doesn't really know what's going on he thinks it's like isn't it great that you got somebody because you know he's got his boyfriend and and the the other one before that and the other one before that and the other one before that right Mm -hmm. and uh this is the scene that lets ellen turn it around from that other scene and be like what 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 we've been saying for the last few weeks actually whenever we see her and when he went to the disco and all of that which is like i'm alone like i'm alone right. larry i can't i can't do this this is the first time i felt alive in a decade and, uh, i can't do it point is that she's not simply
1: content to look for you know and not to dismiss what larry's doing right like you know about like you know, going out with different people and, like, exploring and all that. Like, she's looking to settle down, right? Like, she's looking looking for a life partner in every sense. I I
0: think you're right. Like, as people, Larry loves Ellen, uh, doesn't want his life to be complicated more because he, like, really likes how it's going. And he likes having his series of boyfriends hasn't found unclear if he's even looking for for a very serious relationship and ellen's like i have to have this like this is the only way it's going to work for me right right i mean she's in love with pam right like she loves pam and she's always loved. she really is and when pam left she basically closed down her heart and so um so i'd be interested to read when this episode is out there i'm actually interested in in reading what um the perspective is from people in the lgbt community about the way this relationship is portrayed and the way Larry is portrayed versus Ellen. But um, as an outsider to that community, looking at this um, these characters, I feel like get enough credit to me that, that like I can accept that these are who these people are. Um, And I think it's a really interesting troubling and sad dichotomy where like they, they do care for each other and this is basically going to break it all apart. And it's because while Larry is getting everything he wants from life, uh, she isn't, and we've seen it, right? Like that disco scene is so pivotal because they're like, we're having a great time. Come out with us. And she's completely exhausted from her job. And she's like, no, that's not, that's not what she's looking for. She's not capable of that. And this is the breaking point where she sees Pam and she's like, I know what I want my life to be. And that's the, that's, that's that moment that now makes a lot more sense when you wind it back, which is, uh, we see you know Ellen of season 1 was like this is it um I will do anything to be an astronaut and Ellen season 2 here she got the promotion and all that she's completely turned around she's like no there's only one thing that matters and she really seems to at least in this episode right. not really care about the consequences or the fallout yeah of i mean that. she
1: specifically says she doesn't care about her job Does not. she doesn't care about anything right like she's none of that matters to her and i think
0: it. I feel sorry you know for Larry. Larry seems so sad because he's like, oh. oh, he does. But
1: I and I like that he still. You know, they could have written this in a different way. Yeah. they could have had him push back my, more. They could have had anything. He says, "For my wife, It's so a sweet. great line. Yeah, great line. And like again, as we point out, there's genuine affection here. There's genuine relationship. These people have spent a decade together. Yeah, they know each other arguably as well as a husband and wife. Any husband and wife know each other. Yep. Yeah. Um and. I'm glad that, that 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 seemed to me consistent with who we know Larry to be based on especially his appearances in season 1. Right. Um he did not strike me as a you know he got into this in the first place because he realized that they could help each other. Right. And, you right. know that was it was not in, uh, like a totally self-serving thing to do, right? He is a he is a kind genuine person, I think. And so I think that's that's sort of how it comes into play here is is that um, he is willing to do this because he he cares about her. He loves her. You know, he's not he's her husband. and They may not be a traditional husband and wife, but you know they they have that depth of a relationship yeah. with one another. And it's he's willing to sacrifice yeah, you know what
0: his 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 perfect situation so that she can be happy. They're not just grumpy unwilling roommates, right? Like that's not what right. it is. Yes, that's not what it is at all. Which I I appreciate that kind of a uh, relationship being displayed here because um, that is more complicated, but I think actually happens more often than um, than people tend to talk about. And th- those relationships are t- tend to not be taken seriously. And I've read about historical figures who were gay and had uh, marriages and that people try to sort of like say, well, that marriage was meaningless and it was all a fraud. And then you see the people who were in the marriage were like, well, that's not true. right?" So I think to portray it in this way is good. And, and to have Larry not be you know, he's initially res- resistant, I think, because he's only human, but very quickly becomes supportive because he does care about her and, and he can see yeah. how she's feeling. And that moment is just so striking when she just says, I'm alone, Larry. It's just, oh, and this is she, she needs to change her life. She needs to change her life. And that is going to be interesting because I assume that she's going to come out and yeah. we're going to have to see how NASA reacts to that. Yep. Big question. Yeah. Um couple other things here in this episode before we go. We um Tr- Tracy calls her son and uh, Gordo was taking the booze out of the house, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for for runs, and I'm like I'm getting my act back together here because he's got to do something. I
1: enjoy that scene that he's taking the booze out while his son is on it's his birth his son's yeah. birthday or the day, day after. after his son's birthday. <laughs> yeah,
0: Tracy couldn't get her
1: phone time. Nope. Uh, and you know he's wandering around in the background, and he's t- and Tracy's like, "What is he doing?" And the, the kids are like, "I have no idea." <laughs> we get the story about him trying to make a cake uh which goes really badly uh and apparently that was the second time he's tried to make a birthday cake and it's always been a disaster yep um and that's a fun interesting little moment too right because it's sort of tracy trying to bond with her son uh but in the way of teenagers everywhere he's he's kind of like there's like a crack right for a moment where they're like reminiscing and they're talking about it being and and gordo's listening off screen right because tracy's talking about the like Basically, she misses you know those days.
0: Yes, right. And
1: and Gordo is overhearing this, and I think that's some of what spurs him into his act, the action, right? Yeah, maybe is the, maybe his... she's
0: a little bit of an inspiration there too. And also, she's she's really also very low at that point, right? So yeah. that's where these two storylines cross over.
1: Yeah, so I thought that was a nice scene because it, it has a little bit of, crack, but I also at the end where. She's like, well, I gotta go soon. And the kid's just like, all right, bye. And he just turns yep. off the thing and wanders away.
0: Yeah. And I think she's like, what a jerk. <laughs> the uh it's like FaceTime with my daughter at college. Um yeah. and we finally get to we finally meet a visit Sam. A visit with Sam Cleveland, who's a decent guy. And uh <laughs> and uh it's Gordo going over to the mansion uh just just to say, hey. I'm gonna win Tracy back, and it's I, a, it's such a weird, it's, scene, because it a weird like, scene. It's weird scene. It's like Gordo, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? But at, at the same time, it's also like such a funny bit of dialogue because it's basically like, "Oh, is that right? No, oh, you're serious. Oh, I just owed you a courtesy of a heads yeah. up." It's like, "Well, go ahead and try. She ain't mine. She ain't yours. She's hers. That's about right. Which is which yeah. is true and kind of brilliant. It's like, look, if she does, if you go up there." and convince her that she wants to be with you and not me there's nothing i can do to stop you and there's nothing i can do to stop her cuz that's going to be her decision um but but also sam is like but i'm pretty confident that she's going to be with me <laughs> yeah.
1: so it's funny cuz like we had just seen this exact same scene in another show where uh we've we've been rewatching justified and there's a scene there where uh, essentially, the exact same thing happens. Like, I, you know, a guy tells the other guy, "Like, I'm going to try to win her back." Like, I just thought you should know. And my wife is like, "What is it with men <laughs> doing this? It's not about them." And I was like, yeah, "It's fair." I mean, I think it's just some of this. I think for Gordo is also like, it's kind of like a self convincing moment too, uh-huh. right? Like he has made this plan. We know he's see. You know, we've seen him well, overhearing the call overhearing and him the call, trying to right? get his life. Yeah, trying to get his life back in order and he has decided he's going to do this but it's in some ways it's not real until he like says it says aloud basically and i think you know he's got to stack himself up against sam and again i'm still not sure what sam does he's very rich we can tell he buys a really expensive bottle of wine that used to belong to thomas, thomas jefferson. jefferson I think It <laughs> was like off 1600 there, bucks a glass yeah. uh yeah um Gordo and uh Gordo Downs it, that's a great me, it's a great scene where he he gulps it after you know being told you should savor it. Um and it's funny, right? Because in another situation, were it anybody but Gordo, you would sit there going, like, Well, he's an astronaut, right? Like, is there a more sort of glamorous, uh, uh sort of exciting type of person right like they were revered and and gordo but it's gordo right who has fallen on our times and is not quite the uh, platonic ideal of an astronaut shall we say and so you know we have to stack him up against sam who we don't know a lot about other than he seems like a a fairly decent guy who's rich and maybe a little bit on the arrogant
0: side but you know possibly has earned it depending on what he's done um, it's a good scene this is jeff, I, I, this is jeff hefner who is a i i think a, a fun uh good casting like a good charismatic guy if you're you are do not know him he, from he anywhere. Was, so he was in uh he both of the chicago or some of the Chicago dick wolf things chicago mad ah, okay. chicago fire he okay. was in mars the national geographic show and uh fans of super cheesy uh cable t v shows uh will know him from agent x which was a super cheesy is a super cheesy tv show that we talked about on the old tv talk machine podcast a little bit because it is a goofy super cheesy action show about like secret tunnels under washington dc that were put there by thomas jefferson probably with wine oh with the wine in it sure yeah Yeah. anyway yeah what a funny strange weird scene right we're like i'm gonna get her back all right good luck good luck man have fun on the moon yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's also to a certain degree. It's Gordo trying
1: to again convince himself he's got a purpose for going to the moon, which I think maybe maybe that helps take his mind off his like anxiety and claustrophobia and all that stuff. I don't know, like having maybe. like a mission.
0: Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird scene, no, for sure. It is a weird scene. But that anyway, this is this is such a great episode. Um, you know, again, the the Russian stuff is the bulk of it, and that stuff is. it's just so good i I know it's
1: not the behind the scenes that we talked about in previous weeks where it's like the the sort of retro how this happened but yeah but i still love you know in some ways it's funny because we expect the russians to show up kind of with a bang right because we've had this whole thing brewing on the moon with this site 357 bravo and and you know we're gonna take it back and we've got guns and everything and instead the first place we run into the russians is essentially this like You know, peace mission. Yeah, (laughs) and it's it's interesting, right? Because it and and Payne talks about this a bit too, right? Like the the the, the deepest parts of the Cold War, and we are trying to you know shed a little light, essentially. It's part of the City
0: on the Hill speech. I, I think
1: that's it's an interesting portrayal, right? Because I think we went into this whole show feeling like you know a lot of it's set against this backdrop of the Cold War, but. I mean, you know, that that's certainly been an aspect of it and it's been ever present in a lot of the, you know, implicitly in like a lot of what we've seen. But getting our first, aside from Ed's uh, uh, <laughs> escapades on the moon, our first real look at sort of the USSR as an institution, it was not at all what I expected. And yet I think as, as such, I liked it that much more because it sort of took a a sideways angle into like having these two superpowers uh, there's a conflict there, in that they don't want to play, you know, show their cards. But in the end,
0: it's about them working together, which
1: I think is nice. I think it's an interesting, an interesting spin
0: on it. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait for next week's episode oh, because yeah. this, I'm is g- this is this uh, is. I feel like we're picking up steam now, picking up speed as we move into the back half of the like, season, like a bullet going around the moon. Oh man, watch out! Don't stand right there because it could come. It's gonna and be getcha. four
1: episodes later in the finale that the bullet, bullet will hit someone. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. I shot it like bullet
0: three weeks ago. <laughs> out of Chekhov's gun was Chekhov's bullet. All right. Well, we will be back uh, if we're released from the cells at Star City by the KGB. Mm. We'll be back next week uh, for another episode of For All Mankind. This was Best Laid Plans, though. And now we are done. I've been Jason Snell. He's been Dan Morin. Goodbye. Don't